The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I pray, I really do pray that this all works. The beauty of recorded audio is that I hopefully can check it before it goes out, but darn it, I'll tell you what, if I do an hour and then realize it didn't work, you guys might get the version that didn't work. So let's hope this isn't that version. Self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, trying to get into the habit of throwing that in right at the outset, since we are into the part of the year where new folks are checking out the show. So welcome. Welcome to you new fellows and ladies that are joining us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Dan Bespris is spelled Dan, B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, again, R-I-S as in Sam. The plan here over the next 12 days is to break down every single team, and I hinted at this, more than hinted at it, in our industry roto mock. It's a nine-cat roto mock with me, silly little Dan, and 11 of the best minds across the industry landscape in fantasy. And uh, I've already spoken to a number of them. The, the question is, what order are they going to air in? And honestly, honestly, God, I don't know the order right now. But it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to start with today. And today we don't have uh, a guest from that roto mock, but what we do have is is an overview of that mock draft. I want to break down the beginnings of it because that's been, I think, a point that everybody really wants to talk about is is how the first, particularly the late first round and then the second round are going. And also, we have a very special visit coming up today from our good buddy, HoopBall uh, assistant editor and lead fantasy analyst, Eric Ong, who's going to give us the first in a series of podcast appearances here on Fantasy NBA Today where he teaches me how to play an auction league. I think you guys will enjoy it too. If you're big into auction, uh, this first episode, you're probably just going to laugh at me for 15 minutes. Uh, But if you're not, if you're sort of getting into it, Eric is an absolute expert, and he's going to hopefully let me ask stupid questions because I don't have any good ones. And over the next however many weeks it is, we're going to get all of us ready to do an auction league. This show is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com, I-S-L-E-S is the website. Check it out right now. Or you can order it on Amazon.com if you have a Prime membership. Two-day delivery or two-day shipping, I guess, is the correct terminology. If you order more than 35 bucks, you can get it next-day delivery straight from the actual Hawaiian Isles. It's delicious. It's the best. It's a fantastic deal. It's like it's gourmet coffee, but you can get it at a non-gourmet price. And a big thank you to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. They are our continued partners here at HoopBall and our title sponsor of all audiovisual activity at hoop-ball.com. Check out HoopBall, by the way, while you're listening to this podcast, and I'll tell you why in the middle of the show. But here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's all going to break out today. Uh, I'm going to do the first round of the industry mo- uh, mock recap. We're going to do round one. And then I'm going to tell you why you need to check out HoopBall. And one of our partners. Then we're going to do round two of the Roto Mock. Then I'm going to give you my team 
in the Roto Mock today. So this is the self-reflection episode. And then we're going to talk to Eric on on Auction Draft. It's going to be great. And it starts right now. First things first, the industry mock. After I fixed everything. Round one and round two in that order. The Welsh had the first pick overall. He took Anthony Davis. I dig it. I really do. He knows that. I know that. I'm a, I'm a massive Anthony Davis fan. Uh, I think he's actually, in a, in a wild twist, slightly underrated, despite being in that top five of sort of the, the obvious guys. He's underrated in the top five. And the reason I say that is because he's not going first in every single league. He really could and probably should. Because last year, after playing half games down the stretch, he still was right behind James Harden for the best overall mark on a per-game basis. He's going to play this year, guys. We saw it two seasons back, not this most recent season, but the previous one, the 2017-2018 campaign. He played 75 games because the Pelicans were trying to win. And he was far and away the most valuable fantasy player on the market. And it really wasn't even remotely close. Steph Curry, KD, and James Harden were kind of in that second tier below AD. And they were a full mid-second round value away from Anthony Davis. That was the drop-off between picks one and two was the same size as having basically LaMarcus Aldridge all season that year, or Kristaps Porzingis when he was healthy, or even Paul George that year because he wasn't number three in the league that season. Crazy, right? That the difference between James Harden and Anthony Davis two years ago was one whole LaMarcus Aldridge, who, by the way, was ranked 18th that season, and then basically the same thing the following year. But we've talked about him plenty. Uh, and that's why, to me, I think AD's actually a tiny bit underrated because many folks, myself included, are considering other options at number one. When in reality, if he's playing the way we know he can and he's out there for 75 games, it's going to be a blowout. Carl Anthony Towns went number two, Kyle McEwen's team. And that's a very reasonable choice. Cat's going to have a big year. Uh... Health is never an issue with him, which is kind of a nice thing to not have to think about. He was tied with Giannis on a per-game basis last season for fifth overall on a per-game again, I repeat. And there was a pretty good drop-off behind Harden, AD, and then guys like George, Steph, Giannis, Cat, Kawhi was that next chunk of players. So if you're taking talents, it's because of the absurd durability factor. Because as good as he is, and his point rebound stuff may very closely parallel that of Anthony Davis. And in fact, they were awfully close in that department last year. Which, again, by the way, this is after AD started playing only the first half of games down the stretch. Anthony Davis did have the edge in those categories before that. But for argument's sake, we're going to call him pretty close. Cat had the edge in three-pointers. Both were in the threes and assists. The percentage is actually not that far apart on the two guys. The big whopping difference is that Anthony Davis averaged one and a half additional defensive stats per game despite the fact again that Cat was averaging two and a half combined per game not a bad number 0.9 steals 1.6 blocks last year for Carl Anthony Towns big season 
AD was 1.6 and 2.4 in those categories. A crazy leap. I love Cat. I think he's going to have a great year. No Jimmy Butler to weigh on him. He's going to be doing everything all the time. As we've talked about a thousand times, you really can't truly go wrong in this top five. But man, that AD pick at one is a succulent one. James Harden went third. He's also obviously a very durable fellow. He's going to see his numbers take a bit of a hit here with Russell Westbrook in town. He's just not going to take 25 shots a game. He can't. There was nobody on that team that challenged him actually taking field goal tries last year. Chris Paul took 12 and a half. So if that's the, the direction your mind goes, recalibrate. Eric Gordon is the closest thing they have on that team to someone that could try to take a few shots away from James Harden, and we all know how that goes. But now they have a legitimate other guy. Gordon, by the way, took 13.8. Russell Westbrook is not a 13 and a half shot a game guy. He took 20 a game last year. So if all you're doing with this team is replacing Chris Paul with Russell Westbrook, well, those eight shots are going to have to come from someplace. And yeah, a lot of them are going to come from the other guys, but some are going to have to come from Harden. Probably three, maybe more. There's just no way he gets back to where he was last year. There's not a volume, there's not a volume level enough for him to get there. So he's going to see a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, We've heard that they're going to try to rest their guys a little bit, and they should because they're obviously a playoff team. As much as we like to knock the fit between Harden and Westbrook, and it's going to be weird, Westbrook is, at this point in his career, a more valuable player than Chris Paul. They've got the way they do their things in Houston, so it'll it'll all work itself out. But from a fantasy standpoint, Harden is in my estimation, a little bit of a dip. So, uh, you know what? I I know what everybody's thinking as I'm going through this. What about LeBron James? Anthony Davis hasn't played with someone who's taken that type of volume either. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But LeBron wants to shoot less. He doesn't want to be taking 20 shots a game. It's pretty clear right from the beginning of his career. If he could pass to someone and count on them to, to do something viable with the basketball, he'll do it. AD's going to have plenty of volume. And even if he doesn't take 20 shots a game. By the way, he averaged 18 shots a game last year. That's a pretty attainable number again this season. He just does those other things that are less impacted by a presence of a guy like Braun. I'm less worried about the dip that he might take. Giannis went fourth. Oh, by the way, uh, Adam King had Harden at three. Giannis went fourth to Josh Lloyd's team, uh, where really his only choice was Giannis or Steph Curry. And... uh, Presumably, and we'll talk to Josh about this shortly, um, some of it's a stat set thing. You know, Giannis does a little bit more across the board than Steph, where Steph has the booming contribution in three-pointers and outstanding free-throw number and obviously very good at scoring, decent assists. And Giannis, similar numbers in scoring, but booming rebound numbers, big defensive stats, big field goal percent. He sort of goes big in a few and then clunky in a couple, where Steph goes big in a couple, decent in more than Giannis, and then not quite as bad in the ones where he's less helpful. I think if I'm picking between the two, I probably lean towards Steph in his current iteration here. He's going to be a little bit of a one-man gang for a while, and that was pretty crazy. Going back 
geez, how far back do we got to go for this one? Uh, four years ago, I think. Am I getting this right? The 15-16 season pre-Kevin Durant? Yeah, 15-16. Uh, Steph averaged 30 that year. Five boards, seven assists, two steals on 50% from the field and 91 at the line. He was, by the way, the runaway king in fantasy sports that year. And it was Steph who was a full second-round pick ahead of everybody else, including the man who ended up joining him the following season, Kevin Durant. Kawhi Leonard was third. Anthony Davis was fourth that year. AD, big numbers, not quite as big, 3.3 combined defensive stats. Free throw percentage for AD has actually gotten a lot better since then, part of what's elevated him. So I do think there's a, a case to be made for Steph in this spot too, just because there is that opportunity to max out that we haven't seen in a while. Four years. Four years is a long time. Now we get out of the top five, and then obviously you got Jokic. That's my team. I had the sixth pick in this draft. Nikola Jokic at six. That's an obvious one. Damian Lillard at seven. That's an obvious one, too. I don't know that we need to talk too much about those guys other than Jokic is going at six because he does a lot of stuff across the board, and he's super durable. And Dame goes at seven because he does a little bit less across the board, but he's also super durable. And now is when the questions start to creep in. What order... Do the guys come off the board starting at pick number eight? Well, in this particular draft, the first man to emerge from the pack was Kyrie Irving, Adam Stock's team. And I got to admit, I kind of like this one. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I don't know that it's always cut and dry if you have the eight pick who you take. There are a lot of choices here. A uh, very good case could be made for Bradley Beal. A very good case could be made for Kyrie Irving. A very good case could be made for Jimmy Butler. I don't know that I'd venture to any of the maximum rest guys. Although, you know, you might see a season here where Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving play within one or two games of one another. I don't think I'm touching Joel Embiid. I know that there's, you know, his team is pretty impressive. I mean, it's his game, I should say. His game is pretty impressive, but man, uh, he tried to play through all of his little things last year, and they ended up getting worse. I'd go Kawhi over Embiid many, many times over. But Kyrie Irving, very reasonable case to be made here. Uh, thinking back to, to this most recent campaign, Kyrie was the number 10 guy on a per-game basis because his percentages were filthy. 40, 49% from the field, 87 at the free-throw line. Helpful, very helpful in both, particularly from your point guard. 24 points per game, five boards, seven assists, 2.1 combined defensive stats, two and a half, three pointers, only 2.6 turnovers. I mean, if he had 70 games, you got a really nice pick at eight. But you can make that same argument for almost all of these guys. Jimmy Butler, he's another guy who has, when he's the alpha, been a first-round guy. I mean, let's just think about how this all played out. With Minnesota, even in Minnesota, where he was supposed to be number two behind Cat, he was number 12 on a per-game basis two years ago. What about with Chicago? He was number 10 that year. And his field goal percent has actually gotten better because teams have stopped asking him to take too many three-pointers. Uh, he could easily be the number 10 guy on Miami. He's got to play, though. 
Drew Holiday. Uh, by the way, that was uh, Alex Rickling's team with Jimmy Butler. Drew Holiday went to Jonas Nader at 10 in this mock draft. Kind of the, a, a similar look here. Uh, Drew is, is actually probably one half click down from me. And I, I, I know that this probably goes against the grain a little bit, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm right and everybody else is, is wrong on this one. I, I just, for me, the ceiling for him is a little bit less clear. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm going with percentages in my mind. With Drew, playing alongside Anthony Davis, he's he was sort of an end of the second, mid to end of the second round kind of guy. And he's shown himself to be pretty durable. I know he sat out down the stretch last year, but New Orleans was very clearly tanking. I, I think the durability is fine. I'm not super worried in a roto format about him skipping some games down the stretch because you'll get your your allotment before that. My issue here is just that the fact that Anthony Davis and his 18 shots left town doesn't actually mean that the coast is clear for Drew Holiday. Zion Williamson is going to get his probably 13 to 14 shots a game or more. Brandon Ingram takes a bunch of shots. Lonzo doesn't take that many, so I guess that's a good thing. But J.J. Redick is going to take some looks. So I don't know that Drew Holiday's volume goes up in a meaningful way. Last year was pretty damn good for him. And the only thing I think you're hoping for with Drew is the free throw percent comes back up near 80. And that'll move him from end of second round to middle of second round. And if he plays 80 games, that would move him to end of first round. But I, I, I struggle to see how he gets inside the top 10. I can see him getting near there. But inside, it, it's a tough sell. Uh, Bradley Beal, the guy who went off the board right behind him in this draft to uh, Matt Smith's team, that one I see a slightly clearer path where you're dealing with the same issue of a guy that might rest down the stretch but has shown himself to be uh, quite durable now that that stress stuff is done. Almost the same story, by the way, as Drew Holiday, who also dealt with stress reactions. And then with Beal, there's just no one else on that team. My one fear with Beal is not the rest. It's actually will his field goal percent come down in what he knows to be a lost season? Or... Is it going to be a case where teams just don't give a flying you-know-what when they play the Wizards and he gets to go nuts? Free throw percent not quite as good as some of the other guys above him in that first-round uh, discussion, but high 20s in scoring, two and a half threes, five boards, six assists, steals and blocks with Beal. I, I, to me, he's one of the safer guys you take at this spot um, in a roto format. Head-to-head, I get it. There's a very real chance he doesn't play the last three or four games of the season, and that could kill you if you're in the playoffs. But in Roto, if you get your 75-76 games out of him before that, you're golden. Our good buddy Bogman, who, uh, let's see, this podcast is airing on Monday. We're actually talking to him later today. I don't know when that one's going to air, but that's when we're talking to him. Uh, he had the LeBron James on the turn and Mitchell Robinson coming back in the second round. But we're only going to talk about one of those two picks now before we take a brief break between them. LeBron at 12. This is interesting. He's still, to me, a little bit more of a punt play with that 66% free throw number, but he's going to go big this year, and he's going to play a lot of ball games. I don't think he's going to get seriously injured again. Efficiency is going to be great for him. He's going to have room to operate with AD and shooters on his team again. This could be a really good season for LeBron, Um, and if he's he's durable, he could end up near the turn. I I could see this panning out. 
He's not my target at that spot in a roto format because the, the to take an early guy that hurts your free throws like that is a little bit of a of kind of a punch to the gut, especially if it's not a massive value play, which I don't think he is here. I think he's a, a possible uh, equal value play, but he's not someone that's going to exceed that mark. And so that makes it a little bit tougher to swallow the free throw percent, but it does make sense. And Bogdan ended up going into a little bit of a punt build after this. So... Uh, and he can tell you about that one when we talked to him as well, but just at a quick glance at his team, uh, Montrez Harrell, Ben Simmons, Mitchell Robinson also on that club. So uh, they're probably not going to be that great at foul shooting. I told you at the beginning of the show that at this moment, I would break down why you should be headed to hoop-ball.com, and the reasons are twofold. Number one, the weekend sale on the draft guide was extended for today only, Monday. $15.99 for the draft guide and everything it contains, including on October the 7th, the draft guide gets the B-150. It just gets put in there at no additional cost. However, if you're one of those folks that just cannot wait to see the B-150, it's out today. You heard that right. Aaron Brewski's Pride and Joy, released every year around this time, is out today, September the 23rd, 2019, for early bird subscribers. That's a special package. You can get it in the gold pack, or excuse me, not the gold, uh, the champions package. Got to get my my nomenclature right. You can get it in the champions package over at HoopBall. Um, You can also just buy it a la carte. It just says the early bird Brewski 150 access. It's out. It's up. You can read it. It's got his Brewski 150, the top 150 players in Aaron Brewski's portfolio for this year. I know. I know. I'm excited too. Go check it out. If you want to get it early, go right ahead. It is an additional cost, but it's not very much, especially if you're in a league where you're betting some money on it. You can get that today. You can get the Champions Pack, which includes the Draft Guide, early B150, and the Full Season Premium Pass uh, or you can just get the draft guide for $15.99. That's still the most affordable item on the menu over at HoopBall, and you get the B-150 on October the 7th as part of the draft guide. Also wanted to remind everybody to check out our buddies at mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. They both work. We've been promoting both on this podcast. Either one will take you to the main site. The official site is mybookie.ag, but either one will take you there. Uh... And I'll tell you what, I had a, a brutal weekend of dealing with Windows Update, and at the end of any hard week, it's really nice to sit down, watch some sports, place a couple of wagers on it, and then know that when you place those wagers, if you win, you're going to get your money. My bookie has this tagline, and I think this is the best thing they could possibly put out there because I totally agree with it. Where you're betting is just as important, and I would even venture to say more important than who you're betting. Because if you bet at a clunky place, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. You're going to have trouble getting your money. That's not the case at mybookie.ag. If you lose, fine. That's the same everywhere. But if you win, you want access to it. Told you already, I've moved my money over there. I can't wait to start betting on the NBA stuff. Join now, and mybookie's going to double your first deposit. Yep, deposit match. Promo code is the word today. T-O-D-A-Y. Go to mybookie.ag. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. Play, win, get paid. 
with our buddies at MyBookie. Second round. I already told you about Mitchell Robinson, and uh, we'll just let Bogman explain himself on that one. I mean, the simple explanation that I can give you right here without him is he's not going to get back to him at the end of the third. At 36, no chance. So if that's the guy you want, yeah, you got to take him. But I think, and this is one of the really, and and Eric Ong is going to explain this better to me uh, in a few minutes when we go into auction draft. This is one of the pitfalls of snake drafts. If you get a pick on the turn, there is a select few guys that you can take there. And there are a bunch of guys that you just have to be okay with not getting on draft night unless you trade for them. And I love my guy Bogman, but he probably, and, and you know, this is a mock draft. I don't know that he would have done it in a real thing. Maybe he does, and we'll, I'll, I'll ask him about it. I'll be, I'll be very blunt. Uh, and he and I talked about it actually on the ITL show a um, week and a half ago, and I said it then too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably too early. If this is a, 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 a high-money draft, you got to be awfully sure. And it's a really difficult thing with snake drafts, and Lord knows I've been there a million times too. Sometimes you just kind of have to say, damn it, I'm not going to get my guy. i got to take the guy that's got a chance to be you know, inside the top 10 here. And for Mitchell Robinson, that's a tough sell. But damn, we do love him. <laughs> we do love him. So maybe there's a certain advantage to saying, you know, maybe I want like the fourth or fifth pick for that reason also, because he's probably going to be around near 28 to 30. So you can get him kind of the front end of the third round, but you're not going to get him near the back end. So to Bogman's credit, he wasn't going to get him if he waited. Uh, Matt Smith took Kawhi Leonard at 13, uh, 14, excuse me, and this feels like a very reasonable place for him. I, I tweeted a couple weeks ago, I was looking at him at 15 and later, but you know, let's be honest, we're splitting hairs. 14 is totally fine. Uh, Jonas Nader got Joel Embiid at 15. Again, this is where you start to look at a guy like that because heaven forbid he actually plays 70 games. That's a first-round guy, so there is some upside there. Alex Rickling got Andre Drummond at 16, who, by the way, is falling in Yahoo drafts right now. They downgraded him, and his ADP is dropping. That's crazy. That's another reason to be totally content with having a middle-of-the-pack pick. You can get Andre Drummond at like 20 in the second round now. I love it. This is a guy, I've said it before, this is a guy who was a top five guy the final, the second half last year. Top five. Paul George uh, followed that up, and you guys know my stance on taking an injured player. I just, I can't bring myself to do it. I know he could end up as a middle-of-the-first-round guy, but what if he misses two months? What if the shoulders don't heal right? That was Adam Stock's team. Uh, Matt Strout had Trey Young in the second round. As he explained, he's a little bit of an Atlanta guy. This is probably a hair early for my taste on Trey. But again, he's not getting back to him. Not coming back in the third round. And uh, yeah, the turnovers are going to be a thing. So 9-cat, there will be a little bit of a hit on him there. I think I'd probably, I ended up with Kemba Walker here right after that. I think... I'd probably take Kemba in that spot. So I, I felt pretty good about the fact that he he made it to me. He's a very safe middle-of-the-second-round guy. Not a ton of upside there. Uh, Greg Ehrenberg took Devin Booker right behind me. That um, Yes, he's, he's going to have a big jump in 8-cat. So if you're not too worried about turnovers in 9-cat, that's a, 
a very reasonable play there. Um, turnovers are probably going to knock him back a round or so. And he actually did get adjusted backwards on Yahoo as well. And I'm actually going to be talking to Greg later today also. Get some of his picks. He got Steph at five. He must be thrilled about that. Uh, Josh Lloyd got DeAndre Ayton at that, uh, whatever that is, fourth from the end of that one. I guess that's uh, 20? No, 21. And that's a reasonable spot. That's where he's been going. It's going to be a solid center. Nikola Vucevic at 22. Adam King ended up with him. A nice pair with James Harden, a guy we've seen now put up end of first round value. He's falling because I don't think there's full belief that he can do it in a non-contract year, but I'm willing to take that chance towards the end of the second round, so that's a nice grab. Luka Doncic at 23. Kyle McEwen, he's actually already explained this one to me, so I don't want to give too much of the the reasoning away on this. He's another guy that actually got um, adjusted back a little bit on Yahoo, so you might start to see him go more towards the beginning of the third as opposed to the middle end of the second round. And as I said to Kyle on, on the, the broadcast we, when we were talking to one another, you, you need both percentages to come up. He's confident they will. And that makes sense, you know, as he pointed out. And again, I don't, I don't want to give away his whole explanation on this. So I'm going to just shut myself up. You just have to listen to the Kyle show. That'll be coming up uh, later this week, possibly tomorrow. And the Welsh finishes off the second round with Russell Westbrook at pick 24. Totally reasonable place for Russ. He's probably going to be in this neighborhood, especially if his free throws start to come back a little bit, and that's a big-time uh, adjuster for him. I mean, without his free throw issue, he was a second-round pick last year. And so while I often pick on those who end up with Russell Westbrook, I think this is a pretty damn good spot to get him. You had a lot to your team at the end of the second round with that dude. And he's going to be fine in Houston. You know, he's the style of play that he puts forth. He's, he's not about to dial it back for somebody. Not for, not for Harden, not for anybody. And now finally, I wanted to give you guys a quick breakdown on my team in this one. And we'll do it relatively fast because I don't think you guys care about my safe plays. That's the Dan Bespris see who falls to you play. But we'll do this pretty fast and then we'll dive uh, into the Eric Ong lesson one on auction draft. You already heard I got Jokic and Walker. Jokic and Kemba in rounds one and two. So at that point, I'm sitting on an across-the-board center who does everything besides block shots and hit a ton of, of three-pointers, I guess. And then in the second round, I shored up some assists. Scoring is, is now in better shape. Threes, I got covered. I took a hit in field goal percent, which is not in a great shape at this point, uh, but free throw percent is very good. So that's where I sit after two rounds. In the third round, I probably went a little bit early, and I went LaMarcus Aldridge, and I guess that would be pick 30. He's falling, but I didn't think he was going to get back to me midway through the fourth round. And at this point in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? I need a consistent source of blocks, and he's been okay in that department. I want to shore up both of my percentages, which is what LaMarcus is very good at. Scoring is going to be solid. Rebounding now is in really good shape with Jokic and Aldridge. That's double-doubles in the first and the third round. And I'm not bad in any one specific category. Maybe a little bit weak still in field goal percent, and I'm just going to have to be a tiny bit careful with that going forward. I seriously considered Clint Capella at this spot. I also considered uh, Pascal Siakam. And that was about it in terms of other guys I thought about in this, in this juncture. 
guys that I thought I, I'd be upset if they didn't make it back to me. And the reason I didn't go Capello is because after Jokic and Walker in the first two rounds, I'd sort of made up my mind that I was going to build a strong free-throw shooting team. And that's why in the fourth round, I kind of shirked steals again. My team now suddenly looks kind of weak in steals after four rounds, but I got Tobias Harris, who is good in both percentages, so that continues to build up. I love both percentages. You guys have heard me say this a million times, and I, and I even talk about it with Eric a little bit. I, I happen to think that percentages are the easiest way to build 20-plus points. If you actually focus on both, on dodging the guys that crush you, or at the very least, limit the guys that crush you to just one, you can be in the top three in both of those. That's not easy to do in other parts of, I mean, you just, the thing is, almost every other team in your league is going to have one or two guys or more that are not good in one or the other, a field goal percent or free throw percent. Almost every single team. People don't really strongly consider that the whole way through their draft. It's the easiest pair of categories, either one of those, to just sort of kind of stop thinking about partway through your fantasy draft. And so all you have to do is not screw those up, and you can walk into 20 points in Roto in a 12-team league or more. That's an incredibly firm base to build from, provided the rest of your team is okay. While everybody else is fighting each other for counting stats, you're out there just like, I'm going to be good in all of these, and I'm going to be better than most of you in these two. You're golden. I went Jason Tatum in round five, another guy who I think is going to be good in both percentages, and this is going to help me in steals coming back a little bit. I think he's got a little bit of an Otto Porter vibe to him, so won't hurt me in anything. Give me a boost in percentages and steals. I think his scoring is going to be better this year. Rebounding will be fine. And he'll fit right in those middle rounds. I took a little bit of a shot in round six now since all of my other guys have been super safe. And I went Kevin Love, who I realized could put a huge dent in my very successful field goal percent operation right now. But he's awesome at free throws. And if he's decent this year and plays, he'll score, rebound, hit a bunch of threes, which I thought were a tiny bit lacking on my team. Uh, and he'll be on the floor long enough to get you like, Point six of both steals and blocks. That's just all you can expect. This is where I start to take a couple of shots. I had Kevin Love in the sixth round. Steven Adams is in the seventh round, who I know is going to put a dent into my now awesome free throw percent. But I actually felt like at this point, my team was running away with free throw percent. I mean, Kevin Love, high 80s. Walker, mid 80s. Aldridge, high 80s. Tobias, mid 80s. Tatum, 80s. Jokic, 80s. I didn't even have anybody in the 70s on my team yet. So I went Adams at 50, but I know his field goal percent is now going to accommodate sort of what I did with Kevin Love and or Kemba Walker a little bit. And I also think he's going to go nuts in defensive stats where my team was starting to become a little bit lacking and rebounding, although I don't know that I needed it all that badly with Love, Aldridge, and Jokic. But now I think my team is probably going to be best in the league in that department. In the eighth round, I went Marcus Smart. Steals. I was thinking at this point I need steals. He doesn't shoot very much. I know his field goal percent isn't good. But it's steals. That's what I want. I think he's going to do enough on that Boston team to make it worthwhile. I went J.J. Redick in the ninth round. Good percentages and going to shore up my scoring in three-pointers. I went Paul Millsap in the tenth round because I felt like he was the value play there. I'm not that excited about Millsap, to be perfectly honest with you guys. 
but in the middle of the tenth round, you know, you're at like 115 at this point thereabouts. I thought, well, what if the defensive stats come together? He'll give you a little bit across the board, and he's not going to kill you in any one place. The next pick, uh, my 11th round pick, is the one pick that I made that I really don't like, and that's DeAndre Jordan. If I could have that one back, I would. There are plenty of guys on the board that I'd rather take. So throw that one out. I don't want him. And then finally, in the 12th round, I went Will Barton. I was kind of surprised, actually, to see him there. Uh, He has top 60 upside, and I think if he looks like himself, he's going to earn those minutes back despite the depth in Denver. So that was a pretty easy shot in the dark, and if it doesn't work, I'll drop him. Easy as that. Hoopball Leagues, by the way, almost full now. I sent some tweets out about it over the weekend. Again, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N, Bravo, Echo, Sierra, Bravo, Romeo, India, Sierra. Spell it out. Find me on Twitter. Shoot me a note if you want one of the last couple of spots. We have, at this moment, one spot left in five head-to-head free leagues, meaning out of all five, out of 60 spots, 59 are full. Head-to-head cash leagues, completely full. We had three of those. All thirty spots, all 36 spots are filled up. Uh, Roto, free leagues, uh, we have two spots left out of 36. So we're 34 out of 36 on those. And Roto Cash Leagues, we only opened two of them. And for some reason, a few people seem to have uh, not used their join codes. So I thought we only had one spot left, but then I went and did some digging, and it looks like it's more like four or five left. So uh, still plenty of room in the Cash Roto Leagues. But again, as I mentioned, only two free Roto spots, one free head-to-head, and the head-to-head Cash Leagues are totally full. Hit me up right at this moment. Pause what you're doing. Send me a note. And that way we can get you into the league. And now let's talk to Eric Ong. I want to learn a little bit today. It's time for me to grow as a human being. Well, you know, part of what I love about doing a podcast every day where I know people are stuck listening to me is that when I'm just talking to myself, I know I'm the smartest person in the room. But as soon as I get someone else in the room, that feeling goes away. And right now, I am about to fully shelve any brain power I have whatsoever and basically admit, I'm an idiot. And that is why we've brought in the great Eric Ong to teach me slash us, because actually most of you listeners are probably more well-versed at this than I am, believe it or not, auction drafts. Eric, we haven't been on a pod in a while, um, but I got to say your internet and your audio is uh, vastly superior to the last time we spoke. This is exciting. Hi, Dan. Yeah, it is. I I was able to install fiber internet at home, and it's worked wonders as far as, you know, doing podcasts, coming on shows, and everything is concerned. Man, you sound great. You sound crystal clear. I don't know that anybody would believe that you and I are literally half a world away from one another. Ah, technology, you gotta love it. I really do. Uh, Eric is in the Philippines. I'm in uh, Los Angeles, and feels like we're right next door to one another you're not right outside are you no i'm in uh my den you know enjoying <laughs> a cup of coffee at 8 a.m here in the philippines yeah it's five o'clock in the uh evening here afternoon uh in los angeles so if anybody's putting that together except the difference is um it's it's 8 a.m the next day uh so what's tomorrow like um uh, well over here it's a bit you know overcast with slight rain showers and it's been <laughs> raining all night actually so my allergies have been 
quite unfriendly. Oh, but I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, there's I'm a, nothing like a good pod recording to to, to get over such a thing. That's right. Though. It forces the adrenaline to kick in. It opens up the sinus passages. Either that or a combination of Allegra and Flonase. That's usually my uh, my go-to cocktail over here. Uh, <laughs> Eric, of course, is on Twitter at Fantasy Hoopla. The word fantasy and then H O P L A, as in there's a hoopla. That what's the hoopla? Um, he's one of our senior fantasy basketball analysts here at the Hoob. So you're here to teach me what the hell auction drafting is. I have a very vague idea, but I'm going to actually just put that aside. I don't know if you're a fan of Mitch Hedberg, the late comedian, who said that he always loved infomercials where the thing would start by saying, forget everything you know about pillows. And it's just like, Okay, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to forget everything I know about drafting, and I, I, you know, I don't even have the right questions to ask, so this is officially auction 101 here on Fantasy NBA Today, and I'd like to make this something where we could kind of uh, reassess it, discuss it from time to time, and you can slowly cart us through, and then by this time next year, I'll be ready to join an auction draft. So, uh, explain to me what are the basics, and we'll do this relatively fast, but what are the basics of auction drafting? How does it differ from snake draft? All I know is that you start with a budget. Right, Dan. Uh, from what I've been reading in our email exchanges, uh, you, you seem to have expressed a lot of fear about auction drafting. Mm-hmm. You, you just always comment, oh, no, auction, I'm, I'm going to suck at this. So yeah, I, I will. I, I'd like to introduce it like, a new puppy to the household, <laughs> gently. And, wait a minute, wait a minute, you, Eric. What? I've this is if it's like a new puppy, does that mean that I'm that auction drafting is going to wet the carpet in the living room? Because that's a turnoff. No, but you're gonna love it unconditionally, Dan. Oh, that's nice. Good pivot there. Okay, continue. Oh, what is it about auction drafting that intimidates you, or what is it? You know, you you, you seem to be. Um, worried about it somehow but you know, i am just jumping in what what stopped you all the all these years from just jumping in and trying it out so you know how sometimes you just wait too long and now it's just kind of too late i i hit this crest where if i had jumped into it four years ago uh when i had played a ton of fantasy basketball but wasn't working for hoop ball and didn't have a position as an analyst i think that would have been a really good time to jump in now there's an expectation that if I'm going to be in a league, I'm going to be pretty good at it. So, uh, you know, for instance, Eric, one of the things you and I had talked about was a a specialty league, and, and, you know, that'll be something we discuss on a a podcast here in the not-too-distant future. Um, But, you know, Kyle McEwen, one of our friends uh, at Basketball Monster, invited us into an auction league. And for me, it's kind of like, well, you know what? I just can't set foot in it because I would almost have to set foot immediately into a higher rung of auction league. What I really need to do is slide into anonymity, you know, make up a profile somewhere and do just a regular auction league with other people that are uh, neophytes, novices at it. Also the time, by the way, that was a different thing. I know it takes a really long time to do a draft and I have no time. Yes, yes, that's (laughs) actually a, a good point, Dan. Auction drafts take far longer than than most snake drafts, mainly because um, in snake drafts, you you have a timer. Um, Drafters pick their player within the time limit. But during an auction, said timer is reset every time a new bid comes along. So it extends the timer effectively. And, you know, 
auction drafts tend to last maybe 50% longer um, mm. given the same league size, you know, compared to a snake draft. Got but it. Okay. time commitment aside, it's actually worth the fun involved. Uh, for example, um, in no particular order, give me your top four, top five players in fantasy, you know, in your personal rankings. Uh, well, it's probably the same five as everybody else, I guess. So, so we'll just go the the standard the standard big five this year of uh, AD, Harden, Curry, Cat, and Giannis. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty common. That's pretty much everything I've encountered in most mock drafts myself. <laughs> of those five, who are your favorite two? Okay. Um, well, or better uh, yet, let me qualify that. Who are the two of those five that you wish? you could own at the same time, you know, in one team in oh, fantasy. Oh, wow. Well, I guess Who you'd probably, you probably... I would probably skip Giannis and then take either of the two assist guys with either of the two big guys. So either you go Cat with either Curry or Harden or you go AD with either Curry or Harden and probably not go, you know, two smalls or two bigs, right? So let's just say for argument's sake, we're going to go Cat and Harden for uh, maximum durability. Excellent choice, sir. Thank you. Yeah, now, it's tough, tough to go wrong with those two guys. In a snake draft, is that at all possible for you to own Cat and Harden on the same team without doing any trades? No, without a trade, no. Absolutely not. Well, in auction drafts, from the draft alone, you can have such a combo. And that, to me, is one of the biggest selling points of auction drafting so is that you can like how for does the that... right price own both studs yeah how do you how do you make that work because then wouldn't you mostly wouldn't you have to spend almost all of your money on those guys this that's a, a a part that i don't fully understand but i know they're gonna cost more well that's true they're gonna cost you odds are an arm and a leg each but then again when you're equipped with fantasy knowledge which you do have and which we share with a lot of people through you know the hoopball website, these podcasts, that fantasy knowledge allows you to get so many good bargains at the end of the draft that you're going to be paying a dollar, two dollars for quality players. For example, um, in in a twelve team draft, I spent a dollar to own uh, Darius Garland. Fine, he's a rookie. He should be worth a dollar. But I spent $2 to own Spencer Dinwiddie. That's like 10% of my budget. Spencer Dinwiddie, solid. $2 for Bojan Bogdanovic, for example. Hmm. Those, those are filler names that you'd normally see towards the end of drafts. You know, not necessarily last round picks. But spending just, you know, close to or the absolute minimum for them is a deal in itself. So how does it all, how does the chronology of it take place? Is it, do you go down a list and people, I think I know that you nominate guys, right? All right. Uh, this is how it works. Uh, in snake drafts, a random draft order is done by either the system or outside in a real lottery draw or whatever. And you have a draft order and people pick their players in that order. In an auction draft, a random order is assigned, but it only determines the order with which teams are able to nominate a player. Hmm. So let's say your 
first in the queue, you're first to nominate. And you can nominate any NBA player that's in the platform, literally. So if you wanted to start off the draft, for example, with, I don't know, a hype name, let's say like a rookie Zion Williamson, you can. Hmm. Okay. So then... <laughs> There's no need to start with, you know, Davis, Harden, etc. Those five names. So I'm not going to get into the strategy today. That'll be probably for uh, auction pod two or three. Um, and then at once the player's nominated, so let's say Zion is the first guy nominated, does the person doing the nominating have to put in any kind of bid on the player or does it just go out into the open and then anybody can log in a number? That's a good question. As the nominating player or manager... Um, you set the opening bid, which normally can be, you know, start at the minimum of $1. Now, you can set it higher. There's a, a little empty box that you could fill up with the, the number you want to start it off with. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you think Harden is, you know, worth $50 or more. You can start his opening bid at $50 and not, quote unquote, waste time going up, you know, bid increments of $1 starting from one, although knowing full well that he's going to go in somewhere in the 60s, 70s, or even higher. Hmm. So, yeah, you, you you can set it, but there is a minimum of $1 because you are the nominating team. Okay. And then you said that there's a, a clock of some kind in between each of these bids. Is that usually 30 seconds, a minute? How does that yeah, work? Yeah, something like it, it's It's a short timer, actually. It's somewhere between 15 to 20 seconds only, um, and, it, and it starts right away once you nominate the nominate a player and and everybody gets a chance to start bidding and there's this little button on the interface that lets you you bid normally it's default setting is one dollar but you can fill it with a different number and 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 up the bid right away and then it the so there's no real advantage it sounds like to waiting for the clock to run down because it resets if you put in a bid yeah, it's not like Amazon or it's not like eBay, sorry, where you can just snipe off a bid and it's it's like a fixed clock that will run down because it does reset. Okay, that I like that idea because the, the idea of everybody trying to jam it in at the last second sounds like something that would make everybody want to punch one another and that's no fun. Um, okay, so then it goes around and people are putting their bids in and the name comes off the board and then it just goes to the next person to nominate the next player and this goes until... 12, 13 rounds? Is it similar to Snake Draft where you have a set number? Okay, it's it's the same thing as a Snake Draft. Once all team rosters are filled, draft is over. Hmm. It's just that in this case, because it's not um, arranged in a specific order, some teams can actually fill up their rosters sooner than others. As long as they keep on winning the bids, they keep, keep filling up roster slots. So I assume then, and, and this will be, again, stuff that we sort of put in our pocket for round two, there's a lot of different strategies for how you could go about doing this. I've seen people talking about trying to throw expensive guys out that they don't want to try to drive other people's bankrolls down. Uh, do you nominate guys that you want early, even though the competition is better? What are, uh, just a, a broad overview, Eric, on a couple of different ways that you've seen people play uh, or strategize during an auction draft? All right. First of all... Yeah, it's a loaded um, question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very heavy question right there. But uh, one bit of... One little pro tip that I'd like to throw out there. 
when it comes to auction drafting in general is to come in with a plan. Um, you normally have your small little list of targets, kind of like the same in, in snake drafts, except that you have a broader um, base of players, which is effectively everyone to choose from. Um, and it's about hopefully maneuvering the draft in such a way that you are able to get those target players that you have on your list at reasonable prices. Prices that allow you to maximize your $200. By the way, uh, most platforms have, you know, $200 per team as a budget for, you know, since we failed to mention that at the start, you have $200 basically to spend to build your fantasy team. And there is a minimum of $1 per Per player that you have to spend I mean you know you can't bid on bid zero basically so if you have a 13 man roster each player has a minimum of one so you can effectively um, bid 180 plus on one guy and just one dollar for the rest what would you recommend Wow all right. Um, <laughs> well, okay. For me, for me, how about that? Let's let's make it simpler. For me, stepping into one of these for a first time, let's say with other low-level auctioneers, uh, what would you recommend as a as a reasonable first strategy to kind of demo, just to get one's feet wet? Oh, that's easy. Since you're coming, since you're an experienced snake drafter, one of the strategies that I've done in the past, and it works out quite well. Is what I call the snake draft simulation system, huh. meaning I allot X amount. Oh, okay, for example, uh, to start, I will pick my quote-unquote first rounder. I will pay for him. The next guy on my team, I expect to be my second rounder. I will pay for him, etc., etc. So it's as if you're going down the line and simulating a snake draft building your team. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. No different, except that you have to pay for these guys and not just your draft position. What do the first round guys usually go for? You said 50? Well, no, it it, it actually varies. And and most platforms have a projected dollar value equivalent. Oh, Um, okay. Yes. So it's kind of like the their counterpart of, say, pre-draft rankings. Let's say the system says... AD is, you know, supposed to be top top pick in, in fantasy. Sure. He will normally have the highest projected dollar value. So you can use those as a rough guide, more or less. This is what he's expected to produce. It's like it's quantified for that, you know, for that matter. You know, AD is supposed to, let's say, in, in Yahoo 12 team, supposed to project for $68 worth. So in your mind, I think ideally you should be able to pay $68 for AD and feel comfortable that he'll be delivering that, you know, fantasy value for your team. I'm guessing that this also, there's, there's sort of uh, an equation or an algorithm that ties a player's value to what his expected cost would be then. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. They basically quantified into dollar value, fantasy value. Hmm. Okay. So basically, if you're, if you think you have guys that are 
in in a snake draft, maybe falling, so to speak. That's a term that we're quite accustomed to here on the snake side. Those are probably similar to the guys that are going to be attainable for a slightly cheaper price than maybe they should be, at least when you sort of tie in that algorithm we were just talking about. Is that is that right? You nailed it on the head exactly. Oh, good for Dan. me. Good it, for it, me. It's, it's going to feel <laughs> quite comfortable for you because it's, it's the same phenomenon. You will see guys uh, get sold for cheap and, and the room will react, hey, that was cheap, that was a bargain. And that's, that's exactly the counterpart of what you would read in a snake draft draft room when people say nice pick that was a good pick because you know people didn't expect you to to get the so and so guy at that spot or that was a good value there hmm. it's same banana effectively in, in in auction drafts if you get guys cheaper than people are expecting them to produce and that's that's actual in draft value right there hmm okay Okay, I'm going to call that lesson one so I can wrap my head around it. Eric, can we do this again and do lesson two and get into a little bit more of the details of how to pull these strategies off in the not-too-distant future? Oh, most definitely, Dan. As, as long as you're interested in learning about auction drafts, which, which I am a, you know vastly in favor for and have been a strong proponent for amongst my, my group of friends, now, I really believe that it's it's not only the most fair drafting mechanic, it's also the most interesting. Right, because you have an opportunity to get every player in the league if you wanted them. Yes, I, I mean, just to think about it, Dan. You are you go through months of preparation, developing your rankings, reading news, all of these projections, and you, you come into your 16-team you know, draft you know, 30 minutes before the draft, and you find yourself, you know, and I've, in in something like the thirteenth draft position, it's it's the same thing as a kid. Oh look, mommy, I made this macaroni necklace. Oh, that's good, <laughs> Dan. Here, let me just put that in the garbage. You know, you, you've heard complaints in social media in the forums that um, in standard leagues, spots nine to twelve is such a nightmare zone. Yeah, because people are unsure of who to pick in that zone. So you prepare. All you want, you know, you study all of these numbers, etc. You wind up shafted and get the 11th spot and you're, you know, scratching your head and, oh, bummer, that sucked. Yeah. Just being in an auction draft is actually better than that feeling you get when you find out that, oh, I'm the first pick in the draft. Woohoo. But you're always, quote unquote, the first pick in a draft in the sense that everyone has a fair shot. It makes it. Uh, it gives you fair competition for access to top-tier talent. Isn't that fair? Yeah, it is. I can't argue with that aspect of it. I mean, the random the randomization process of a snake draft is it does create a mess. I mean, you know, especially in deeper leagues, 30 deep. I think I had like the 22nd pick last year. You're You're basically doomed if you don't have a pick high in that format because you don't have the one guy that can carry your team and... Sort of nothing you can do about it. Um, okay, well, I'm going to make this as the segue now. I'm fairly certain, Eric, that you have something available that could have probably helped me learn this stuff in our draft guide, which, as folks may have seen, the weekend sale was extended for just 24 extra hours. It's $15.99 for the draft guide just through tonight, Monday night. That's it. That's the end of the sale. Um, Eric, can I just read your stuff and maybe learn a little bit more on that front? 
you get to sell me on the draft guide now too. <laughs> yeah, sure, Dan. You you definitely can read my stuff. I I just just before coming on the show, I I, I fit put on the finishing touches to the auction draft strategy portion of our latest um, installment of the draft guide. It's going to be out. I'm also going to be banging out the head-to-head draft guide. Um, it's it, it's just amazing. And and I'm so happy that you had me on the show again at exactly the right time. It's this time of year that's probably one of my two most favorite times of year, and that's preparing for the fantasy draft. And the other time is when I you know win gold or the first place in my fantasy yeah. league but but you know it's it's just it's just a joy to write about fantasy basketball talk about um you know all of these little details that i've learned throughout the years and share them and in hopefully what is an educational and entertaining way You've been doing this longer than a lot of our readers have been alive, Eric, so don't sell yourself short on anything. You are a very experienced fantasy guy, and so I, I, you know, it's, it's a privilege for me to learn a brand new style of fantasy, not for everybody else. I know it's not brand new, but it's brand new to me from someone who's done it for so long. At Fantasy Hoopla, Fantasy H-O-O-P-L-A, the great Eric Ong, our very own Eric Ong here at Hoopball. Thank you so much for coming on. Episode 2 of Auction Draft Strategy, Not Too Distant Future. Eric, thanks again. Thank you, Dan. Well, we're running long today, and I think that may be a theme going forward, but you know what? I don't care. We have important things to talk about these days, and I'm going to damn well do it. But that is the end of today's episode. Uh, Coming up the rest of the week, we start our sojourn into pro land. We're going to talk to four because that's how many shows we have the rest of the week. Four of the 11 pros from this 9-cat industry mock draft starting tomorrow when the price of the draft guide goes up. So get it today. And also, again, the Brewski 150 for early bird subscribers only, which you can also buy at hoop-ball.com out today. I can't wait. I'm going to read it. Uh, It's a perk of being able to work here. Hey, by the way, if you'd like to work here and get those types of perks, hit me up on Twitter. All of these good reasons to bug me on social media. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks again to Eric Ong, Fantasy Hoopla on Twitter. Check him out. You really should. He knows his stuff. He answers his questions very quickly. And he's in the Philippines. So if you're up in the middle of the night here in the States, he's got you, man. That's the middle of the day. Thanks, Eric. Ah, so good. Uh, Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. I can't believe this podcast worked. Looks like the, the computer held up. Fantastic. Talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.